Welcome to Rockbrook Church Podcast. Today's message is part of a series called Building Your Life on Values That Last. We know that God designed values for us to live by and to give us meaning and purpose in this life. We would love to hear from you and how God is using this message to give you a new perspective and hope. Email your story to church at rockbrook.org. Hey, good morning, everybody. Hey, I wonder how you would complete this sentence. My number one goal in life is, and what would you put there? Think about that for a minute. What's your number one goal in life? What's, that's the thing that's most important to you. How would you complete that sentence? What word, what phrase would you put in there? Come on, you got one more week, one more week of the campaign, and we're going to finish strong. I talked to two people this morning, back to back. One of them said, oh man, it's over, number 10, we're done, it's, it's done. The other person said, oh, I can't believe this is going to be over today. I wish we could just put it on repeat and keep going. So I don't know what camp you land in this morning, but it's value number 10, and we're going to finish strong today. I want to invite you back next week for Celebration Weekend, Celebration Weekend, where we're going to celebrate what God has done uh, through this season in our church, and we'll worship and sing together and, and uh, have a great time. We're going to celebrate baptism. If you've never been baptized and uh, taken that step in your faith, uh, we'd love to help you with that next week. That would be a wonderful, amazing weekend to do that. We'll have stories of life change and uh, just kind of pivot then into the next season of the year end and the holidays and everything that God has for us there. But what would you answer this question with? And whatever you answer this question with is your dominant life principle, your dominant life value. So out of the 10 values or however many values you have in your life, it's number one. It's the most important one. And you may have not, you may have not thought this through before, but you use this answer to this question all the time. So most times when you make a decision, you access a database in your brain that helps you with this, and you make the decision based on your dominant life value. So if your dominant life value is to have fun, uh, then you generally keep your options open so you can do the most fun thing this afternoon. Or if your dominant life value is comfort, then you tend to choose to do the easiest thing to do, uh, the most convenient thing, uh, you just say, I'm just going to stay on the couch and watch Disney Plus today because my dominant life value is comfort. And you know they got Frankenweenie on there, everybody. Come on. Some of you don't know nothing about no Frankenweenie, but it's there. It's there. If your dominant uh, life value is safety, then you're going to make your decision based on what's the safest choice. Risk analysis, security is a big value to you. If your dominant life value is to be approved or affirmed or applauded, then you're going to make decisions that have a reward to them. Uh, you're going to tend to choose to do the things that give you the most affirmation. So it's extremely important that you think through what's going to be your most important value in your life. Now, what does God have to say about this? Uh, well, God has a lot to say about it, and he doesn't do nearly as much buildup as I am doing today. He just puts it right out there and uh, he says, let love be your greatest aim. Why does he say that? We're going to talk about that today. Of Why would he say that? In 1 Corinthians 16, 14, he says, do everything with love. I didn't say that. God said that. I wonder what all this includes. Like, does, every, does that include the emails that you write? 
Does that include social media? Does this include when you're writing a Yelp or Google review? Does this, uh, is what, does this include ordering fast food when the speaker thing isn't working? Does this include finding a parking spot? Does this include being kind to people who vote differently than you do? Does this include how you respond to people who attack your faith? It says, do everything, yes, do everything with love. One day, Jesus was asked, um, what's the dominant life value? What's the greatest commandment, he was asked. And, and then he gives the great commandment. And some of you uh, who have been believers for a while, you have heard the great commandment thousands of times. If you've been around this church any length of time, you have heard it many, many, many times. And some, sometimes to make the great commandment fresh to me again, I think about the things Jesus could have said there of what's the greatest commandment. And uh, he could have said, uh, well, you really need to learn how to read so you can read your Bible every day. Uh, you need to learn how to pray better prayers. Uh, you need to be giving more. You need to serve uh, more. Uh, you need to share your faith more. You need to uh, pick a commandment from over the 600 commandments that he could have said, and then when he drops this in, it just kind of becomes radical again when he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And by the way, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's pretty clear. He said nothing in all the Bible, nothing at all is more important than these two things. That yes, the Bible's going to command us to do a lot. The New Testament's going to talk about a lot to lead us uh, through a deeper sense of these things. But it's all hanging on this right here. Make love your greatest aim. That's why you're alive. Doesn't matter how much you acquire, uh, how much you achieve, how many accomplishments you make, how much fun you have, how many rewards, how famous you become. None of that matters. If you were to ask me, of Ryland, what's the greatest value of the campaign? What's the greatest week of the campaign? It's this one right here. This, like, which one should I focus on the most? This one right here. Knowing, because knowing what we know about responsibility and trust and self-control and balance and respect and forgiveness and moral purity and fairness and honesty, the greatest is love. If you love God... You've taken the responsibility to love him. If you love him, you will trust him. Out of love, you will have self-control. It's out of love that you'll have a balanced life. It's out of love you will show respect and offer forgiveness, stay pure, treat people fairly, live an honest life. The motive is love. That's why this church is built on the great commandment and the great commission, because we please God through those things. So we're going to bring this series in for a landing today, talking about love talking about love. And I want to talk about the fundamentals of love. You know, great churches, great Christians, great families, great athletes, great companies, great teams continually keep coming back to the fundamentals. And that's even, that's part of my job is to bring us back to the fundamentals of the great commandment, the great commission, what we're called to do, and bring us to the fundamentals of love over and over and over again. So what are some fundamentals of love that we need to work on and be reminded of before we leave this fall spiritual growth campaign? If you're taking notes, it's this fundamental right here. We love because God loves us. 
Now, if you go to the typical seminar on love and marriage and friendship and relationships, it's all basically going to come down to this. Try harder. Try harder to love your friend. Try harder in your marriage. Try to be more patient. Try to be more kind. Oh, that helps a ton. Thanks a lot. And if all I had to offer you was try harder, we would not even be doing this today. Trying doesn't work. It's not a matter of trying. It's a matter of trusting. The key to love is not trying hard to be more loving. The key to love is letting Jesus Christ love through you. It's experiencing the love of God in your life and letting Jesus Christ love through you. It starts with receiving his love. I put four verses on your outline here from 1 John chapter 4. Uh, where it's just a bunch of statements making this point in many different ways. And in 1 John, uh, he starts out leading up at celebrating the faith, talking about the faith, who Jesus Christ is, talking about how uh, Christ is amazing, but there's uh, the spirit of the Antichrist, and there's Antichrists who are fighting against that and, and uh, deceiving people and distorting this message. And so he starts clearing that up, and then he gets to our lives and starts talking about the love of God in us. And when I finished last night, I had some extra time, and uh, I just felt God leading us to pause and read this whole chapter together. First John chapter 4, I've put it on the screen. It says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us. And his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, 
but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. You can't love like God does, like Jesus did, just by trying harder. Let's just highlight a few of these passages. In verse 7, it says, Let us love one another, for love comes from God. And then in verse 8, he says, he ups it, whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. So love's not only flowing from God, but it's part of his nature, his character, who he is. And so the only way we're going to be able to love, verse 19, is we love because God first loved us. God is always first in everything. He takes the initiative. And the only reason that we're ever going to be able to love anybody else is because God loved you. It's the first purpose of your life. It's the first calling on your life. It's not to do anything. It's not to try and please God. It's to receive God's love. You were created to be loved by God. He created you to love you. He showed you that love by sending Jesus Christ to earth to die for you. And he showed that love by everything that you have in your life. It's a gift from God. We love because God first loved us. And if you're struggling to love other people, it's not because you need to try harder. It's because you've forgotten or don't realize God's extravagant, irresistible, unconditional love on you. So you have to start. We've got to, we're going to talk about learning how to love, and what, what, but we've got to really understand, to understand it, we've got to feel how much God loves us. I don't want to just talk about it, don't want to just read about it, just don't want to watch a video about it, talk about it. I want you to experience the love of God, because the day, friend, that you finally realize how fully God loves you, that you can't stop him from loving you. You could try, but you would fail. When you feel that unconditional love, that's when you start cutting other people a lot of slack. That's when you're going to be more patient. That's when you're going to be more forgiving. That's when you're going to be more loving, more merciful. The reason why you see judgmental people, even Christians who are sarcastic, mean-spirited, judgmental people, always putting other people down, is because they're putting themselves down. They don't feel good about themselves. They don't feel loved. They don't feel forgiven. They don't feel grace. They feel guilty. They feel like they have to earn God's love. And if I feel like I've got to earn God's love, I don't want you freely experiencing it. I don't want you having fun. I don't want you, if I don't feel good about myself, I don't want you feeling good about yourself. And we've all been hurt. We've got, we need healing in our heart because we've been hurt in life. We've been hurt by parents. We've been hurt by peers in school. We've been hurt by people that we work with. We've been hurt by business partners. We've been abused. We've been rejected. We've been abandoned. We've been betrayed. We all have some scabs on our heart that we've got to let God do some gentle surgery on because you can't really love others until you experience the love of God, the transforming love of God. Our memory verse this week is in 1 John 4. Read it out loud with me. 
We know and rely on the love God has for us. One more time. We know and rely on the love God has for us. What are you relying on? Do you know the love of God? Love happens because we are loved by God. The second fundamental we'll talk about today is love is a choice and a commitment. And today we've bought into the, to the lie that it's uncontrollable, that you just can't really control. It just happens to you. And attraction, attraction is uncontrollable. Arousal can be uncontrollable. But attraction and arousal aren't love. They can lead to love, but they're not love. Love is a choice. A few weeks ago, I did a wedding right here. Two people stood up. They made a choice and a commitment to love each other, to cherish one another. They entered into a covenant with one another. And I told them, you won't always feel like it. And it's on the days that you don't feel like it that you find out what you're made of. You can't force somebody to fall in love with you. You can't force somebody to stay in love with you. Love is a choice. It cannot be forced. This is true of all relationships, our relationship with God. In Deuteronomy 30, 20, you can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying and committing yourself firmly, firmly to Him. God's not going to force you to love Him because love cannot be forced. It's a choice. And people say, well, I just, don't, I just don't love her anymore. Like, you, like it's out of your control. No, you are choosing not to love her anymore. Every time you say, well, I cannot love that person, you're choosing not to love that person. It's your choice. You don't blame it on circumstances. It's a commitment. The third fundamental is that love is an action, uh, not just an emotion. Love can produce emotion, but love is not simply an emotion. Why, why can I say that? Because throughout Scripture, we're commanded to love everyone. We're commanded to love certain types of people. And you cannot command an emotion. Good grief, I'm trying. I try with my two-year-old to command an emotion. Uh, it does not work. It doesn't work. And God knew I can't, you can't command that emotion on everyone. So we know it's obviously more than emotion because he expects us to love. It's something that you do. Galatians 5, 6 says the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. It's like the girlfriend who said, he's always saying, honey, I die for you. She said, you always say that, but you never do it. So love is when you do. Love is something that you do. Let me say a couple of things about love in action Love in action. Acting in love when you don't feel like it is the highest form of love. And anybody who's had children knows that when they're little babies and you're getting up five, six times in the night to take care of that little baby, you don't do it because you feel like it. No, no parent ever says, I think I've had enough sleep here. I'm just going to get up and check on the baby again. No, you do it because it's the loving thing to do. And every time you get up with a child, when you take care of an aging parent, anytime you've held a sick pan for a loved one who was nauseated, you didn't feel like doing that thing, but it's the thing they needed, and you were being loving when they were sick. You were giving them what they needed, not what you felt like doing. That is the ultimate form and expression of love. When you are patient with someone who is irritable, when you come home at night and you do the loving thing, even though you're just as tired and stressed out as anybody, it's ultimate love. Does that make sense? And actually, when I don't feel loving, that's a test. You say, I, I, don't, I don't feel very loving. So what? Just do the right thing. You can, you can learn love 
in a sermon, in a small group, in a book. Those are all helpful things, but you actually really learn it. You ingrain it when you do it, when you do it by practicing it. Brings us to the fourth thing the Bible teaches us, fundamental of love, is the best expression of love is time. It's time. There's probably many differences between you and uh, other people here. We're all different, but we all have the exact same amount of time. 24 hours a day, 168 hours a week. What are you going to do with that time? 1 John chapter 3 says we must show love through actions that are sincere, not through empty words. And our families need less words and more time together, time working hard together, time playing together, time enjoying each other, showing love. In Ephesians 5, it's talking about the character of Jesus, and it says this, live a life filled with love. Well, how do I do that? I follow the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. And true love requires this, sacrifice, sacrifice. Love means giving up. I'm going to give up my agenda for someone else's agenda. Giving up your time for someone else's time. Giving up your preferences for someone else's preferences. Jesus is the model for this because of the ultimate sacrifice he made, the perfect life he lived, where he treated everyone perfectly. He was perfect in relationships. So the best expression of love is time. Number five, another fundamental of love is love is a skill. Love is a skill you can develop. Did you know that love could be learned? You can get good at it and better at it? I'm so glad for that. Man, I think back over 10 years ago when I first got married and how much I've learned to love since then. There was one time early on in our marriage, Lauren and I, uh, we would startle each other. So we would like hide behind a door in a room and scare each other, startle each other. And um, so we were right in the kind of the height of that, the throes of that, and it was one Saturday night after church and she left and she thought I was going to stay up here for a little while. But right after she left, I jumped in the car and raced to the apartment and got home before her and uh, parked in this outside garage, closed the door so she didn't see my car, went inside, kept all the lights off, hid behind the counter in the kitchen. And uh, I was going to pop out, hey, you know, and think she's like, oh, you came home. And like, you know, it's going to be so much fun. It, It was not fun. What I did was jumped out. And she thought like someone was in the apartment. So like the fact that I'm standing before you today is just an expression of grace. And it was bad. I mean, there was almost mace and like everything else. So let, thank God love is a skill. You can get better at it. You can get better at it. But we want our church to be known for being a loving church. Not just the church with small groups or great music or uh, great coffee or children's ministry. Or, we want people to say that's the church where they love. They love God with everything they are. Their heart, their soul, their mind, their strength. They love God's word and they'll love you. They don't care what you look like or where you've been, what you've done, where you're from. They love you there. Not only will they love you, they teach you how to love. First Timothy 4.15 says, practice these things and devote yourself to them in order that your progress may be seen by all. This is where love can get difficult because love doesn't mean that I just let people do whatever they want. God wants us to help each other grow and love 
can mean discipline. Love can mean uh, a hard conversation. Love can mean, doesn't mean that if someone's not letting you get your way, that doesn't mean that they don't love you. It may mean that they're the only one who really loves you. They're the only one that cares about you as a whole person that's looking into your whole life. They don't want to see that area of your life be destroyed. So they tell you the truth in love. Last fundamental of love we'll talk about today is love is a habit. Love is a habit. So you can't claim to be a loving person unless you're attempting to love everyone. You may think you're a loving person, but love happens when you love the unlovely. Jesus says, if you love those who love you, big whoopee, way to go. Oh, hey, what do you want, a party? What credit is that to you? There's no reward in that. He's saying that the point is, if I'm a loving person, but I only love the people who are lovely, who look like me or who love me, there's no reward for that. That's not being a loving person. Being a loving person is when you love the people who don't love you, who maybe irritate you, who don't look like you, who don't vote like you, who don't have the same color skin as you, who don't like the same things as you, who don't smell like you, who don't enjoy the things that you enjoy. Anybody can love people who love them. That takes no character at all. Animals do that all the time out of instinct. I mean, if you pet the dog, feed the dog, care for the dog, the dog's going to wag its tail and be attached to you and be happy simply out of instinct. It's when you go above and beyond and love has become a lifestyle and you love for people, have a love for people who don't love you. That's true love. Hebrews 13 says, keep on, continue, make it a habit, loving each other as brothers and sisters. In some of Jesus' final words before um, he went to the cross, it's talking to his disciples before he goes to the cross and is resurrected, he said this, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples. And he's about to state the symbol of being a Christ follower. What's the mark? What's the symbol of being a Christ follower? Is it a cross? Is it a, is it a fish? Is it a bumper sticker? Is it a dove? What's the symbol of a genuine follower of Jesus Christ? Is it a crown? No, he says by this, if you love one another, love is the symbol. Love is the mark of a true believer. Do people know you're a follower of Jesus because you're the most loving person they know? Listen to the story from a mom who felt overwhelmed by her children, her schedule, her responsibilities, the uh, busyness of home. She said, all I seemed to do was nag and bark at and scold my kids incessantly. When I looked at myself, I honestly saw a shrew. In my tears, I cried out to God. She was reading 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. In reading that, she said, five words leapt out at me. Without love, I am nothing. So she wrote those words down and put them on her refrigerator and in her car, on her mirror at her desk where she could see them all the time. Here's what she said. I realized that the single most important thing I could do was to love my family. So I began to live my life by the love of Jesus. I began to run my home on love power. It was as transforming as when I accepted Christ into my life. Focusing on love brought the happiness back into my life and my home. 1 Corinthians 13 
It says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but did not love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I, could under, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but did not love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I did not love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. And the church said, Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.